A Champion's Mind by Pete Sampras A few years ago, the idea of writing my autobiography would have seemed a waste of time to me. I was the guy whose racket did the talking. But now my agent says everyone has nearly forgotten about me and if I don't do something now, it will be too late to cash in. I also thought it'd be nice for my two kids to have a record of my achievements, as it would save me the effort of telling them about it later. People have said I'm a bit dull, but looking back, I see my career has been hugely eventful. I twisted my ankle on a couple of occasions, and I even got locked out of the changing rooms once. Note to agent. Is this the kind of interesting detail you are looking for? Note to Pete. No, but keep going. My dad didn't know how to play tennis, so he got me some lessons when we moved to California. Every day I would practice from seven in the morning till seven in the evening. I would work first on my forehand for two hours, then my backhand, then my serve, then my volley, and then back to my forehand. It was very interesting. For some reason, I had no best friends, or any friends for that matter, but I did believe in God because he had given me the gift with a capital G. The pivotal moment in my career came when I switched to playing a one-handed backhand. Instead of being a grinder, I became an attacker, and in 1989 I won the US Open for the first time. It was a very interesting feeling. I fired my coach, Pete Fisher, because he got too greedy, but I treaded water for a while after that, hanging out with Ivan Lendl, crazy guy, and playing golf, crazy game. I would win some tournaments and lose others. I could tear up the hard courts, but I struggled on clay, and John McEnroe told me it would help if I got a personality. I looked up that stroke in the coaching manual, but I couldn't find it anywhere, so I figured John was talking nonsense. Things improved when Tim Gullickson became my coach. He changed my prehensile feet position on court, and I started winning slam after slam, though I always found Paris a crapshoot. I did get to talk to Vitas Gerolitis once, and there were really tough times when I changed my sponsor from Sergio Chacini to Nike. So life wasn't all dull. Sadly, Tim got ill with cancer. But luckily, I hooked up with Paul Anacone, so my coaching wasn't interrupted, and I went on winning loads of matches and losing a few others. I always loved Wimbledon, though I never used the shower there after I saw a player relieving himself in it once. Davis Cup tennis didn't mean much to me at first, because the money was rubbish, but that changed when I beat Chesnikov in Moscow. It was a long match, but I won because I knew I was Pete Sampras, and so did Chesy. Who says tennis players are stupid? I became a great deal more emotional after that match. I even nearly cried once, but it was great the public had finally taken me to their heart. 
Pete Fisher was arrested in 1996 on child molestation charges. I was shocked and hurt that he had fancied all the other boys and not me. It used to hurt when people said I looked like an ape, but I got the last laugh. I was watching a straight-to-TV movie in my hotel when I saw this actress, Bridget Wilson, whom I fancied. I got my people to call her people, and within a few weeks, both our people told us we were in love. People often ask me why I won so many tennis matches. The simple answer is that I had the gift, with a capital G, and Agassi, Courier, Chang... Note to Pete, include a Brit for the UK market. And Henman were not as good as me. I swore out loud when I won my final slam in New York in 2002. Note to Agent, can we asterisk out the uck in fucking, please? But I could tell the writing was on the wall, as Nike had reduced my sponsorship money. So I retired. And that's it, really. The digested read digested. The champions mindless.